0: Welcome to the American Grown Podcast, hosted by Austin Sullivan. The American Grown Podcast will focus on people from different walks of life and their journey to where they are now. Now, turn up your volume and settle in for a great episode. Hi, I'm Austin Sullivan. This is the American Grown Podcast, recorded inside the Colortech Creative Solutions Studios. Welcome back, Alisher Aminov, to the American Grown Podcast, episode 26. Thank you for having me. For the listeners, Alisher was first on the podcast back in episode 6 of last year. For that episode, we spoke mainly about your childhood and Mm -hmm. the nonprofits Mm -hmm. that you sit Mm -hmm. on the boards of. So, um, for this episode, you've come back on the show to discuss The Human Element of Politics, a book that you wrote. Mm -hmm. Yep. Perfect. Awesome. So, let's start off by giving the listeners that didn't tune in for episode six, uh, a refresher of kind of your political journey, your age when you were running for city council here in Lebanon.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So just as a general background on me, I'm the son of two humanitarian workers. I spent the majority of my childhood years growing up overseas before coming to the United States. And when we got back to the United States, it was really the like a large transition for all of us. And I think from my perspective... Having grown up jumping around from a lot of different areas, you come back with a different sense of maturity, and to an extent, you have this broadly ambiguous sense of what it is to be an American. And for me, I was very interested coming back to really focused on finding ways to contribute to my community in a lot of um, any way I could, really. And that kind of led to me through a lot of different directions that led me to starting a nonprofit. Eventually, through that nonprofit work, I I ended up taking some of that to Alaska, spent some time in Alaska, came back to Pennsylvania, and I jumped into a race for city council. So it was all, um, you know, I've been able to get a lot of life's experience in a relatively short period of time, as you've said. Um, I, when I ran for city council, I was 18 at the time. And so it's been a lot of just one thing into the next, which has given me a lot of amazing opportunities. When running for city council, being 18,
0: you know, when I was that age, you know, you had your video games or, or sports or whatever, maybe collecting Pokemon cards. I don't know what, what we're doing back then. <laughs> yeah. but, but what do you think really drove you to be like, you know what? I'm 18. I'm going to try to go for, uh, for Lebanon city council.
1: No, that's a fantastic question. Honestly. You know, I have this conversation a lot with various people that I meet with. You know, a lot of people will immediately say, oh, 18, like, and then start thinking about what they were doing at 18. And it's really interesting to have those conversations because for me, in my perspective, all I know is my experiences and the things that I had the opportunity to do. And the, I guess you would call them accomplishments that I was able to have leading up to that point. It just felt like a fairly natural and in some ways logical decision to kind of transition that into city council. It didn't feel like – at no point did I really feel out of depth. I didn't really feel like I was um, unqualified to be able to do it. So it wasn't really a matter of, uh, um, I guess, jumping into an unknown from the perspective of being this 18-year-old. For me, it felt like a next step, and I think uh, my experiences kind of lent into that. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely interesting jumping into it. Let's, let's get into
0: the yeah. book and cause that's what you're here to talk about. We want to promote this, get it out there. I was impressed. I, I <laughs> read through it. Certain things stood out to me. And those questions I have for you, <laughs> the first couple of pages, you dedicated this book to your grandma. <laughs> what did she mean to you or what, how did she influence you? in your political journey here.
1: Yeah, honestly, I have been incredibly blessed to have some very, very supportive family members. And really, two people who have really stood by me through everything are my grandma and my mom. And it was interesting, I guess, coming to the dedication part. um, In a lot of ways, I think my life is a dedication to my mom. And from a political perspective, I've always my grandma and I have always really connected from the political perspective. We're always looking at things from that government perspective and trying to see how things could be created or how things are going to go. And so um, she and I were able to identify with one another in that way. And throughout the entire process and coming away from it, um, she's always been very instrumental in a lot of, I suppose, some of my boldness in having the decisions that I've made. So um, It was very easy. Yeah. Just immediately came to mind to dedicate to it. Okay. I think that's
0: phenomenal, you know, to have those people that back you up and to be able to shout them out. And this is your first book, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. So let's dive into the book. Give us a brief summary
1: of your take on it. So, you know, as the title describes the human element of politics, from my perspective, honestly, mm-hmm. the book is not so much about politics as it is about the fact that we've created this, like, this looming concept of what politics is that has really broken um, down what it, what it really is to be about, which is just the human connections that we have with each other. Um, who I am as a person is no different now than it was when I was a candidate, and for the most part, the same can be said about most people who run for public office. I say this a lot to, for most people who know me, know me as the politics guy, but at the end of the day, like I'm the least political guy you've ever met, but at the same time, I'm very heavily involved. And so the book really serves as a journal um, of what the political process looks like from A, the local level, but also someone who was really, you know, green to the concept of running political office and what that meant, not only for me, but how it translated to the relationships that I was able to build with people throughout the process.
0: Reading through the book, I could definitely tell and appreciate your take on it, your experiences, mm-hmm. like you said, being green, being new to the whole the whole experience. Mm-hmm. I like that side of it because... I think uh, a lot of politics that, that we hear about day to day is people that have been in the arena for years mm-hmm. or in some cases, uh, you know, uh, family members for, for, for decades and generations. But uh, to get your take on it, mm-hmm. I really liked. Now, I, I find it interesting that you went and wrote the book because, you know, a lot of times it's don't talk about, you know, religion, politics, mm-hmm. money, all that kind of thing. But yet you kind of are, are, are
1: embracing that. You know, at the end of the day, it's human, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, life is a very human experience, and the relationships that we build with one another expand beyond the political constructs that seem to loom over us at a lot of times. And so I what I perhaps like more than anything is to have the opportunity to talk about some things um, that people don't necessarily want to talk about, but mm-hmm. not talk about it from the perspective that everyone is accustomed to talking about it, but really talking it from the perspective... Of we're people living in a community together. And regardless of whether it's politics on the federal, state, or local level, ultimately all of it is a representation of who we are as individuals and the relationships we have with one another. And so I guess, you know, you kind of the what segmenting or kind of segueing what you just said like it was an honor to be able to write it from the perspective of being so fresh and so new to a very challenging topic. Um, yeah, because yeah. it allowed me to start a conversation with a lot of people who I couldn't have otherwise. Can you tell us more about what you call your people first platform that you were running on the people first platform, at least in the context of running for local office was that my opinion of politics and my opinion of running for public office is that it is more a matter of the people that you're representing than it is about yourself. And that may sound like a very simple concept. But in a lot of ways, we create a lot of political steps and a lot of political hoops that people have to go in or go through to be able to run for office or, you know, be in a position, whether that's registering with a political party and making agreements and arrangements with uh, political action. There's an entire side to politics that's not necessarily discussed, though Mm -hmm. we all know heavily influence um, the political systems that you know, govern us all. And so the uh, the people centric uh, platform, or the people first platform is really a matter of saying, I'm going to try to put those things aside. And I'm going to try to connect with and represent people on their terms, as opposed to making them jump through my hoops,
0: almost making it making it real, really, and mm. and making it more, like you say, human, uh, because a lot of politics seems, you know, upper echelon, or, you you know, of it, But you go about your day-to-day, so you're not really as Mm in-depth of the process and things like that. Now, I wanted to ask, you identified as an independent Mm -hmm. while running for city council, not a Republican or a Democrat.
1: My personal feelings on the party system are that because we have a two-party system, we effectively have representation and a plethora of candidates through these establishments that represent generally political extremes. And I think most people, when we talk about politics, regardless of how they're registered, they— typically find themselves closer to the middle. So that's, generally speaking, my feeling about the political system generally is that I've never been a big fan, but specifically for running for local office, you know, partisan politics really plays no role in local politics. At the end of the day, we're not talking about the hot moral issues that people are on, are discussing actively on the state and federal level. We're talking about fixing potholes. We're talking about making sure that our sidewalks are right, that our children are safe. So ultimately... I ran as an independent and I registered that way because I wanted to, I, I didn't want to be part of a political power system where people would be leveraging my potential position for, you know, future power chips at yeah. the end of the day. And I think that unfortunately, as I was saying, you know, when talking about the, um, the people first platform, ultimately I wanted to be whatever I said to someone, I wanted it to just be, be the case, period. I didn't want to have to talk to someone and someone t- say something that they're very impassioned about and have to check if I'm allowed to go ahead uh, I and see, support that.
0: I see. So going as a Republican or, or, or Democrat, you would have to answer to
1: the other people that have been already established. In a sense, and I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people who have told me that's not the case at all. All I can describe is my experience personally. Right. And I don't really want to ever, with politics, I don't want to run the risk of one day waking up and being in some ways controlled by the influences of other people, whether that's through the finances that they kind of send my way for political campaigning or whether that is just uh, conflicts of interest through personal relationships. I want to make sure that my actions are as focused on the individuals that I'm meeting with as is yeah. humanly possible. And, you know, like I said, a lot of people told me that th- tell me that that's not how it is on the local level. But at the same time, if it, if the local level really wasn't partisan, why do we start that conversation at
0: all? Yeah, I believe, uh, this is just my thoughts, you know, I don't know anything about politics mm-hmm. for the listeners out there. This is not my realm. You know, you want to talk about printing or photography, you know, come to me and, and I can answer your questions there. But uh, I think it's, sadly, it's, it's divisive. You know, mm-hmm. you have the two-party system, pretty much, Democrat, Republican, and both really bash heads. And like you said, especially local level, it's not so much about, Don't want to say the bigger issues, but really, like it's focusing more on what can you do for your community, in your community, in your county, you know, and then and then state Mm -hmm. and and so forth. But it's, it's a shame right now the arena of politics and how divisive and separated it has become. You almost can't talk about it. I think we're in the same line of thought where if you can sit down, have that conversation, and say, okay, what can we do to better better our community Mm -hmm. and not just point fingers and say, oh, well, you did this or your candidate did this or they're morons or they don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's work together and imagine
1: what we could accomplish. Well, exactly. And the interesting thing about local politics or politics in general, you know, the closer you are uh, to the ground level, so that being local, state, and then federal at the top, the closer you are to the bottom, the more of a relationship and influence you actually have on people's lives. So when you're talking about, you know, the bigger issues, You know, it's not that they're insignificant issues. Obviously, they're very important issues, Mm -hmm. but they typically have a a smaller density of effect when you consider an entire nation of 300 and... Fifty million people. Right. When we're talking about a city like such as Lebanon with 27,000 people, potholes being in the city is going to affect closer to the entire population right. of the city <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> than one specific moral issue is going yeah. to affect the entire nation as a whole. So while federal politicians or state politicians are talking about issues that perhaps have a, la- a wider net Ultimately, the density of who they're actually targeting with those things is much smaller than on the local level. And for me, I think that so there's such a, a beauty to that because effectively on the local level, we are able to be stewards of government as a whole. Local officials really are the cornerstone of Person, our interpersonal relationships where the government is concerned, because we're the people, or I'm not in local government, but they are the people who you go to immediately. They are your the first line of defense when we're talking about representing the government. And there's a real beauty in that.
0: I agree. It, it starts local, and then, and then it goes from there. Like, if you want to make change, like you said, you can't make it at the state or federal. You have to start local. What I found interesting while reading your book, The Human Element of Politics, was that mm-hmm. in order to be on the ballot you had to get 100 signatures. Mm -hmm. So what was that experience like and how many signatures then you ended
1: up getting? Mm Because I was impressed. So the way... They described it to me. They told me I had to get 100 signatures and I had X amount of time to do it. And because I ended up, like I said, 2021 was a very busy year for me because I was in Alaska and had come back from Alaska to Pennsylvania in June. So the process was fairly condensed in the sense that I had between June and August first, something around that early August to be able to submit these nomination papers and continue on my way. And I had never done anything like this before. And being an independent, not having a political party behind me, while I'm very proud to have been an independent, at the end of the day, you lose a lot of support that the parties can provide you. You know, when other when someone in a political party says they have 100 signatures, that might be broken up between five people, you know?
0: Oh, is that is that how that works? Is mm-hmm. that, I didn't know that. Okay.
1: So- It's not that other people couldn't have collected signatures for me. It's who was going to do it. Again, I don't have that political backing, at least at the time, to be able to say, here's a uh, collection sheet. Can you do this for me? So it was a lot. It was I had to knock on doors quite a bit. And um, they say that you should always get more signatures than you're supposed to because some of the signatures aren't valid and someone could contest you. So, of course, instead of just getting 100, I ended up getting 218, which was a very interesting interesting experience. I will be the first person to tell you that um, I'm not a conversationalist. I'm not the type of person who just kind of exudes this super friendly vibe. I'm very passionate about being able to connect with people, but I'm by no means a conversationalist. And so it was very interesting trying to reach out to people who by all means had a right to be skeptical, not only of me, but of politics in general, and try to say, you know, I need your support to get on the ballot. And that was a very, at times it was challenging. There were many difficult conversations to um, have had or to have during that process. But really, it was very rewarding. And being 18, what did people think when you went up and, I mean, literally knocked on doors? Mm. Were there a lot of doors shut in your face? Were some people open to it? Because... I'm a fairly serious person. A lot of people don't look at me and say, there's an 18-year-old. At least then, did not look at me and say, there's an 18-year-old. So age didn't necessarily come up in the conversation unless either they asked or I told them. But in terms of going up and knocking on doors, there was – a lot of people were very friendly and a lot of people were very considerate. But there were some people who were very um, kind of, I guess, pronounced or abrasive in their, I guess – disdain towards some random person coming up to their house right. bringing politics to their door right and that's like a really it's very interesting it, it was challenging from the perspective of you know people go home to rest home should be a safe place for them and because politics is what it has become here i am trying to collect signatures and i'm bringing a non for most people pleasant topic right to their doorstep so there were a lot of people who were skeptical a lot of people who didn't understand why i needed their signature or why i needed them to fill out my form um but there were also a lot of incredibly gracious people who are very kind so when you get a signature is it just first last name or do you need phone number address like what all no it's a signature and then their address and then i believe there might be a phone It's been a while since I've done okay. it. So I do know for sure it was, I think, their printed name, their signature, and then their address. Which for some people, they really don't want to just hand out their information but, like that. That's
0: what I was getting with. is like I could see, like you said, people go home to rest, relax, and maybe it's in the evenings or whenever you had time to come mm-hmm. around, knocking on their door, bringing up politics, and then maybe they're interested, but oh, you need my signature and mm-hmm. address. Was there an instance in particular that really stood out where somebody was like, I rate with you.
1: Yeah. I think I talk about it a little bit in the book. There was one time I was walking down um, a street and I was just going door to door and I saw someone um, in, their guard, or in their garden fiddling around with something. And I went, I just went to say hi and introduce myself. Right. And before I could even say a word, they very loudly exclaimed that they have a no soliciting side and they don't care what I have to say. They're not interested. Oh, wow. And I have to say that kind of jolted me in the moment. Um, because it was just so sudden, like from my perspective, you know, while I am bringing politics, I'm also a neighbor first and I'm very happy to be able to meet my neighbors wherever they are in the city. Lebanon's not so big that we aren't all neighbors at the end of the day. So it was a little bit of a jolting experience to have that and then just such an extreme reaction immediately. So that was definitely, that stands out in my recollection.
0: Now, as you're going around getting the signatures, you know, you exceeded your goal, which is Mm -hmm. fantastic, just in case it were to be Mm -hmm. contested. You you added a, a running mate. Can you tell us a little bit about her yeah yeah.
1: absolutely the course of events like i've said i I end up saying this a lot to people who i talk about the process with you know the course of events uh, during that period were very everything coincided with each other in such an interesting way i remember i was attending an event and i was collecting saying this was very early on into my signature collecting process and um it was a speaking event and there was this younger uh I'm at young girl young woman yes. um who was one of the speakers who i didn't really know but then someone introduced me to her and her name was Zylise. um and at that time you know there was definitely no thought in my mind to say you know we should like do you want to run for city council i as far as i was concerned it was kind of a, a half cock idea that i was doing it in general an initial conversation turned into getting coffee And a a few people had said, you know, wouldn't it be great if you could have another person who's running as an independent, you should say something. And I really didn't want to, if I'm being honest, because again, I really didn't know anything from my own perspective. I didn't know how much time it was going to involve. I didn't know the likelihood of getting elected. Like I really had no clue, but the conversation lent itself in such a way that the issue came up, we were able to talk about it. And then Zyliss decided to run, which dramatically changed the nature of how running was, um, we decided to run as a joint campaign. We figured that our uh, resources and personal connections alone would probably be um, quite insubstantive by themselves. And we figured, it, but if we could pool what we knew together, we could have a much larger, uh, much better shot at winning. And from there, you know, some people didn't like the fact that we were running a joint campaign. It was something that you don't really see. You don't see people literally running as a ticket for yeah. something like this. Like a city council, yeah. It drew some skepticism. It was definitely, there were some awkward times throughout because, again, there's no manual to teach you how to do this. It was a very, ultimately, though, it was a very rewarding experience. I think we were able to play off of each other very well. And while alone or individually it was, you know, here's two 18-year-olds, I think combined we had a very rich perspective that covered really in many ways covered the entire ideology of the city.
0: It it brings up a a quote that I I like to bring up here at work. If you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. Mm -hmm. Again, that sounds like exactly what you Mm -hmm. were doing by coming together. So now on July 29th, 2021, uh, you submitted your nomination papers. You had Mm -hmm. your 218 signatures. Everything was good. And you became the youngest candidate in Lebanon City's history. Mm -hmm. Any feeling with that?
1: See, here's the thing. My family is very, like, they're, I have a very no-nonsense family. So I remember I was like I was doing the math in my head, and I'm like, on, there cannot possibly be anyone younger than me. I had just turned yeah. 18 a month ago. And I said it to them, and they're like, you know, to an extent, they were like, so what, you're a candidate. You have to do it like everyone else. There was no, like, grandiose, oh, this is a, sp-. it's, you right. know, you did what you needed to do to get on the ballot. Now it's time to really get down to work. So I think looking back, it's kind of cool to be able to know that, we were able to do something that was so different. I guess in the heat of the moment, it was, my family was like, all right, you know, don't get high on yourself. Keep going.
0: Okay. So in chapter 13 of the book, one of the first sentences is an old proverb, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I I hear that a lot, Mm -hmm. especially on social media and things. What's kind of your take on it? And what would you say to listeners out there that are maybe not looking to run for for politics, Mm. but are just, you know, considering their friend group in their circle?
1: Yeah, I think the people that you're around have a large influence on the types of discussions, conversations, or um, thoughts that you're having on a regular basis. If you're around people who are encouraging you know, X behavior, you're going to do more of that behavior. I have been very fortunate throughout my life to have met many people who either will challenge me in areas where I need challenged or who will facilitate me in areas that I want to be facilitated in, whether that's politics, whether that's, you know, something as small as going to the gym or just anything really. And so for me, I feel like Uh, people kind of uh, occasionally people will say you know isn't it great that you've been able to do these things like like no one else does this congratulations and from my perspective you know another old proverb is uh, it takes a village right I don't really see some of the things that I've done as a matter of me doing it so much as a lot of people um, kind of put their neck on the line for me and have given me the opportunity to do so much and so I feel like it's it's a collection. It's a collective result that yeah. I've been able to, I guess, accomplish. So, so while running, and even now, who do you kind of surround yourself with? You know, family is a big one, ultimately. Um, there are very few people in this world who know me quite as closely as my family. And I'm blessed to be able to be close with them. You know, kind of going back to about their reaction when I said, oh, you know, I think I'm the youngest. My family is very like, they're no nonsense. And whenever I kind of exude something that's not right, like a cockiness or a laziness, they're the first ones to tell me, you know, you're doing something like that's not right. You need to kind of fix that. And so that has really helped and pushed me. My family's also incredibly competitive. We're all very, very competitive people. So there's always been a sense of just pushing yourself to the next level. And then beyond that, Um, I talk about it in the book with Derek and Doug, you know, those are two friends that I've had. Derek is a lifelong friend, Doug has been a friend of mine for probably half a decade now. And so they really facilitated me in ways that ultimately kind of built or I guess culminated into running for office quite a bit because they gave me an opportunity to not to bounce off my ideas with a neutral party people who didn't know me every day people who didn't necessarily um had not gone through the steps that I had gone through Mm -hmm. and they challenged me in a lot of ways that I needed challenged and but they also gave me the support that I needed as well
0: that's perfect segue you know while running for office I thought this was neat. As mm-hmm. I was reading it in the book, you also worked at uh, Country Lane Furniture, mm-hmm. which shout out to one of our clients. We do some of their printing, okay. some of their brochures. Uh, <laughs> furniture's excellent. I think it's worth the price. i just throwing that out there. A little plug for mm-hmm. Country Lane Furniture. You had mentioned a lot about Doug and, and Derek, mm-hmm. but I just kind of want to focus on Doug and, and what was kind of his role and what did you learn at your
1: time while working at Country Lane Furniture? You know... Doug, I met Doug the very first day I started working at Country Lane, and I say it in the book, and it actually did really stand out to me. Doug was able to see, first off, he said my name right right off the bat, which very few people do. I don't really have a problem with people mispronouncing my name, but it's always kind of a rare treat when someone just knows it right off the bat. How am I doing? How am I good? you're you're doing great. You're okay doing great. all right I'll shut on. Um, <laughs> But from that moment, I think we were able to kind of develop a relationship and a friendship very early on and very quickly because he and I have a lot of similar personalities. And obviously considering the type of work we're in, it was always nice to be able to have someone to talk about these other things with Doug. It was really like working at country lane in general. A lot of people who meet me, they like, they will like, you know, they'll say, see that I wrote a book or they'll see that I've done a lot of different things throughout my life. And it's, I guess in some ways it's a surprise to them to know that I've spent a reasonably large portion of my life working, you know, a regular blue collar job. But at the same time, like there, I I cannot begin to describe just how much I've been able to learn from those experiences, because again, it's all human, like Mm -hmm. just, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, organizing a showroom or trying to organize a budget, you know, there's differences in complexity, but the actual principles are very similar. And from my experiences there, I had a lot of opportunity to engage with a group of people who I likely would never engage with otherwise or meet people like doug who i would not be able to meet any other way and i think it actually was really helpful going into the campaign because my mentality meeting new people was always uh, you know the possibilities are endless i don't know anything about this person i can't judge them for any particular reason because i've had so many people who defied what my expectations would be so with doug Doug was um a really you know every business needs to have one of those guys who can fix problems like just the fixer right yeah, and definitely. Doug was the fixer of Country Lane and being able to watch his methodology throughout his work the pride he took in being able to solve problems I think so often today, even in politics, and this is like a wild transition. We're talking about, you know, fixing furniture and translating that to politics. So often today in politics, people think that if they cannot solve things in the easiest way, then it can't be done. We hear politicians talk all the time about all the things they can't do when really, you know, learning from Doug, seeing that I'm going to do it mentality is really it has definitely left an impression on me.
0: So Doug was kind of the fix-it man. He was a problem solver. Mm -hmm. What was your role at Country Lane, and how did that translate then into while
1: you were running? Yeah, um, so I primarily uh, worked with furniture delivery or installation, depending on what it is. It's installation. I don't know that that in and of itself, the job itself, uh, really... Contributed much to the campaign. I will say it did give me a little bit more of a comfort going up to a bunch of random people because obviously you do that with the job, right? You're yeah, going constantly right. in and out of people's right. houses, and so you gain, if albeit for me, a little bit of familiarity with the concept of meeting so many different people. So, yeah, it was definitely just I little things that kind of build up to a, a very large result.
0: Well, that makes sense. Now, I'm going to kind of throw a curveball here, and I feel like this is something that you would see on the, the big news networks where they pull something and uh, uh, misinterpret mm-hmm. it or maybe misword it. But Chapter 16, the title is My Problem. With Lebanon's local government Mm -hmm. now some people just see that and if they didn't read through the chapter they would think you're trying to attack
1: the mayor or the city council what's your take or how would you defend that Mm -hmm. really yeah Yeah. absolutely so I think the title is definitely a grab and I think those who read the um, read the chapter will see that while I outline a lot of personal proposals and ideas Um, and business solutions i don't necessarily my mentality is not to attack individuals just because you disagree with me or have a different approach does not mean you're wrong and it doesn't mean that i'm necessarily right um in that chat throughout my time working in and around lebanon and really learning about the local government and then studying governments in general i have had the opportunity to spend a lot of time poring over just the structures of it and at the end of the day all of this is business. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the government, a nonprofit, a small business, a corporation. Mm-hmm. Business principles are business principles. And ultimately, the way we all understand business varies from person to person. You know, Apple conducts this business model very differently than you know, Jubilee does here in Lebanon. Like that's right. simply a matter of fact. And so just because it works, something works for one doesn't mean it works for others. But ultimately, as a citizen in Lebanon, I've had the opportunity to study the government. I've also had the opportunity to study other government models. And from that, I have, you know, in this book, had the opportunity to talk about some of the things that concern me. Those who know me best know that my two favorite words are efficiency and sustainability. And so I'm always looking at things from the perspective of, are the things that we're doing now lending themselves to long-term sustainability, and are they allowing us to be efficient while we're getting there? And personally, I have some concerns. That doesn't mean that I'm right, and it doesn't mean that other people are wrong. But in that chapter, I really talk a lot about um, the finance element of running a government. I talk about the long-term sustainability of redeveloping a city and keeping up with the times. Um, And I talk about government structure broadly. Obviously, Lebanon's government is not um, that all unique. We have governments everywhere who are very similar to Lebanon's. But like I said, I believe that um, the power of politics really starts on the local level and goes up from there. And I think if we can solve a lot of issues here, we can do them anywhere. Going back to 2021, Election Day in November, I do remember, and like you say in the book,
0: the weather was awful, cold, dreary, rainy day. Your mindset in that moment did you really believe that you could win? I mean, you had all the, you mm-hmm. had your signatures, 218, you had your,
1: your running mate. Doubt uh, obviously always surrounds important moments, right? So right. there was always, there was never a blind confidence of, oh, I've got this, we've got this. Um, but I definitely thought I had put in the work and I had put in the effort to win. I thought that if there was things that I could have done throughout the process, that I did them. And I thought that I had every sh- chance of winning, honestly. Um, So the results were actually quite a shock afterwards.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a great mindset to have because, you know, anything you do, you want to put your whole heart, your Mm. whole soul into it. So for your first time, being brand new, Mm -hmm. you you had roughly 42% of the votes. Mm -hmm. And like I said, in in my mind, for local
1: politics, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think... There's the version of me who's sitting here now who, you know, has a year and a half separating themselves from that moment. And then there's the version of me who, you know, woke up that Wednesday and thought, what happened? And I think I definitely most likely in the moment downplayed my age. And it was something that for me, it really like my age had no bearing on the capabilities that I thought I had. And so now having a year and change where I've had the opportunity to continue developing relationships and really get out there, you know, a lot of people get caught on that age and I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm also very proud of the fact that at the beginning of the process, I said that people deserve a choice and whether I win or lose, I'm going to be, um, I guess, a counterbalance in that choice. I'm going to give people a choice so they're not stuck with just one thing. Yeah. And I was very proud to have been able to, you know, give Leavitt in that.
0: So, now if you were to do it all over again, what would you do differently
1: knowing now what
0: you didn't know back then?
1: I think, and one of, like, part of it is that I could not have changed the timeline. You know, I could not have changed getting there in June. Um, I didn't have a very long period of time to go from zero name recognition to enough name recognition to win. As an independent, you know, obviously my opponent was new to this as well. And so the whole, I can't say that, you know, name recognition is what won it for him. But at the same time, I had nothing. Like I didn't have a political party that kind of helped me with the structure. I didn't have the continuity of that political party as well. If people were voting for me, it was because they were voting for me personally. Right. And so I think that ideally I would have had a longer timeline. I think ideally... Some of the things that we tried, you know, like spending money on a billboard, like I wouldn't do that again, or things like getting little campaign tools like stickers, things that take time. Like I cannot underestimate just how important time is, you know, me spending an hour working on a sticker is an hour I'm not knocking on doors. Me spending an hour designing a billboard or working with, you know, the billboard company is an hour I'm not knocking on doors. And so I think if I were to do it all again, I would simplify it. I would focus more on knocking on doors um, and just outreach in general. And I would try to just have a consistency throughout.
0: Yeah. And that sounds like a winning strategy to me because again, local politics, it's all about local people and getting in front of as Mm -hmm. many people as you can. It's, It's more of a, maybe a quantity kind of thing and maybe holding uh, events or, or speaking events mm-hmm. even to reach more people in one shot. But that's interesting that the, the billboards and the stickers
1: didn't go over as you had thought maybe they would have. I, I don't necessarily know like what the rationale is, but at the same time, you know, running for office is very interesting. Someone told me this recently and it stuck in my mind a lot. You know, running for office is like starting a new business, a small business, right? It has all the, it is just as involved as starting a new business would be, but there's not really a product. Like effectively you're selling yourself. And I think there's a, like maybe it's cynical, but there's a convincing way to sell yourself and there's an unconvincing way to sell yourself. And I think that a lot of not gimmicky, but kind of gimmicky things like a billboard or stickers. It might work for the big leagues, you know, it might work for the federal or state level. But if I'm trying to say, you know, hi, I'm or I'm your neighbor... Stickers and billboards probably aren't going to help me. are so. the best
0: way. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. If people wanted to purchase The Human Element of Politics, where can they go? How can someone get their hands on this?
1: Yeah, the absolute best way, and this is what I do recommend to everyone, is to get it through Amazon. So Amazon is actually the publisher. It's technically a self-published book through Amazon. Okay. So um, if you Google The Human Element of Politics or if you Google Alice Minov, either one, um, in the Amazon search engine, yeah, it'll come right up. Alternatively, if you don't want to go through Amazon, if you just Google my name through Google, the book will be one of the first things you see. Oh, perfect. Okay. And do you know what the cost is roughly? Yeah. So the cost is $15. And oh then gosh. if you have, you Much know, Amazon Prime, they'll ship it to your house for free.
0: Seriously. I mean, that's not bad at all. And mm-hmm. I think it's roughly, was it a hundred, hundred some pages? So it's about 151. Yeah. yeah so it's not like a, uh, you know, i am I love Harry Potter, but I'm not going to read the books because they're too long. That's just me. (laughs) It's that kind of thing. I I like shorter reads, precise and right to the point. So I I enjoyed it. I liked reading through it. I even shared a little bit of it with my wife, and she thought it was interesting. Uh, But again, her her thing is more the uh, fantasy job and things like that. And we're big nerds. We're into Mm -hmm. Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and all that. But besides the point, if people would like to connect with you, what are the best platforms?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can connect with me directly through Facebook. Again, my name is Alisher Aminov. If you have uh, another way you can connect with me is through email. It's alisheraminov at uh, hotmail.com. A-L-I-S-H-E-R-A-M-I-N-O-V. And those would probably be the best ways to get a hold of me. Two kind of last questions here. Before we close out, as always ask, is there anything else you'd like the guests to know? Is there going to be another book in the future? What are your thoughts? Um, so I don't know that I have a, another book yet to announce. I'm always writing. So there's a very real possibility that something else will come out in the near or long term future. But other than that, no, I don't have any other things that I'd like to say. Honestly, you've done a phenomenal job. Oh, asking thank you. Questions. Thank you. Do you think you will run again in the future? Will we see Al Minoff on maybe... Okay, maybe not a billboard, but maybe a postcard mailer or something. I know the billboard idea. Pff, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, you know, running for office, like I said, it's more about the people you're serving than it is yourself. So I'm constantly, I'm, I, I want to serve the people around me, um, in any way possible. And a lot of people that come up to me and they think, you know, what's your agenda? I really don't. I'd like to know what my agenda is sometimes, because a lot of times it feels yeah. like I'm just putting one foot in front of the other. So in terms of running, I'm always open to the idea. But I want to make sure that my motivations behind it are 100% right. I want to make sure that it's not going to negatively affect my family or those close to me. And I want to make sure that it does not negatively affect the commitments that I currently have. So don't know that I have anything quite yet to uh, announce, but I'm always open to it. Perfect. No, that sounds great. Alisher Aminoff on the American Girl podcast and the Colortech
0: Creative Solutions Studios. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. Awesome. It's been a pleasure to see photos of today's guests and more content. Just search American Grown Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to be a featured guest on the podcast, please direct message or email Austin at
1: Pod at gmail.com.